Welcome everyone to season one, episode seven of the On Path podcast. In this episode, I speak with Shika Kaiwar. Shika is a product marketing manager for growth at Slack. Previously, she was a PMM working on monetization. She's also worked at a range of other high growth ventures, including Dropbox, Uber, and Thumbtack. So what does this episode have to offer? Well, for starters, there's Shika's fascinating journey from working in restaurant kitchens to the hottest companies in tech. She also really opens up in this conversation and gives us some insight into the challenges she faced growing up, including the messy divorce of her parents, and then later in her life, feeling like an imposter in tech and how she overcomes that. We also talk about what she's learned not to compromise on and what she's now more flexible on. There's a lot in there. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. As always, thank you for listening and enjoy. Hi, Shika. Thrilled to have you on the show today. Yes. Hi. I'm excited to be here. To get started, let's talk about swimming, specifically swimming to Alcatraz. Now, uh, my understanding is that there are sharks in the water around Alcatraz. So I'm curious to hear what inspired you to do that swim. Yes, I I love that myth because it makes it sound a lot scarier than it actually is. They are rarely any sharks. There is a great white shark breeding ground off of San Francisco coast, but they don't usually come there. I think the to answer the second part of your question on doing it, it is it's such an iconic thing about San Francisco. You see this, you know, giant prison rock. And I have been swimming most of my life. I swam competitively in school. And so it just seemed like something I, I almost had to do. And, you know, I never did anything to that extent before. And it turned out to be such a crazy, crazy experience. Nice, nice. And what was that feeling when you when you finished? It was really cool. The more I think to me, what always stands out was I remember jumping out of the boat kind of from Alcatraz into the water and then you swim to San Francisco and to see San Francisco truly at sea level like you're kind of in the water looking up at it it's such a crazy perspective that you never really see and I remember in that moment thinking like I wish this wasn't a race like I wish I could just look at this and take it all (laughs) in but unfortunately I have to race all those people to get to the end Um, but that always sticks with me yeah nice nice great so so let's talk about what you work on today product marketing. My question for you is, what is product marketing? Uh, How is that different from just regular marketing? Yeah. So the way I describe it is, this is funny. I was like, I always think about how do I describe it to my parents who, who don't work in tech? I always say that my job is to tell the right story to the right customers at the right time. You know, like we have a product currently I'm at Slack, which is a really awesome, but also a complex product. And you can't, tell everyone everything about it at once. It's just way too much. Um, so you need to do it skillfully and you know when it makes sense. And that's kind of what I do in product marketing, right? Like I take our product or parts of it, features, et cetera, and figure out how to talk about it in a way that people who don't work at this company can understand it and then figure out who needs to know what about it at what time. Great, yeah, that's a, that's a great explanation of it. Product marketing within marketing is, is very hot right now becoming very strategic. What's your take on that? What are your thoughts about the future of mar- uh, product marketing specifically in the in the coming years? Yeah. So I one observation that I have as I've kind of been in different companies is that the gap between product and marketing are getting closer. I think historically marketing has been its own, you know, little 
group working on things, product has been its own things, but now it's just becoming more and more cross-functional, um, which I think is great. And I think product marketing is the first function to to do that, but I think other pieces of marketing are also coming in too, right? Like you can't, if you don't understand what product is doing, you can't talk about it properly. If you don't understand what marketing is doing, you can't build a better product. I wanted, that's something that I wanted to do, which is why I went into the product marketing space. But I think it's something that touches all pieces of marketing at this point, and it will continue to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is It is very cross-functional. And you see that in the people who work in product marketing. They come from from all kinds of backgrounds. To you, what are some, what are some of the skills that are really needed to be a great product marketer? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for, I would say, is to in a very jargony form, it's to be the voice of the customer. But I think it's to just know how people feel. It's to have a lot of empathy and understand that, you know, not everyone's going to work in tech. Not everyone in tech is using your product. And you also don't want just tech people to use your product. That's never going to work. So really thinking about, you know, what do people want to know? What's what's going to make their life better? Um, and also being honest if it's not going to make their life better. Like you don't want to push. You want to be a very authentic and I think as in marketing, especially in product marketing, that's something that I think about. I love talking to users, especially in other countries. I think that's something that, you know, we think we know everything here in America, but there's <laughs> fun to see how other people are, what other people are doing. And that's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's interesting, you, you work for Slack, which is obviously very well known. And um, a lot of people in tech spend a lot of their day on Slack. How often do you come by people who, who haven't heard of Slack? My parents, <laughs> when I first joined Slack, um, my my parents were like, what is this? And, you know, they they both are in, in biotech and they don't use Slack in the biotech industry because, you know, they have their, they have other very highly secure healthcare related software that they use. And that was the first one where I was like, oh, I'm working at this company that almost everyone I know, I, I thought I knew knows about this, but they, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So. Uh, I want to rewind a bit now and talk about your origin story. Where did you grow up and how has that shaped you into the person you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in the Bay Area in California. I wasn't born there, but I spent most of my life there. Um, my parents still live there. My brother lives a little bit further south. And you know, for any of you who have been to California, it is truly, truly a magical place. And I think it spoils you for anywhere else you you live later on in life. Um, but tech didn't exist as an industry, right? Like it does now. Um, so it wasn't something where I was like, I want to grow up and work in tech. Uh, I actually wanted to be a chef when I grew up, which is exactly what I did for quite a long time before I switched over to tech. And being in California, my I you know I was with my parents. My parents had a pretty messy divorce when I was young, um, and it lasted many years. And it profoundly changed me and I, and did make me who I am today. You know, like when you're the only one experiencing that something like that it can feel very lonely um, especially when you're an adolescent and also dealing with regular teenager stuff so mm -hmm. as a result you know it was always very important to me to have a support network and to be nice to people because you just don't know what's going on with them and even now i'm you know i'm a very reflective person i spend a lot of time thinking about how and why others act um, and I'm very, very good at keeping in touch with people. Any of my friends can tell you this, especially in this pandemic. You know, I haven't felt super lonely because of this exact thing. Yeah, yeah. How do you keep in touch with people? I, you know, I there's a one thing where sometimes you can 
feel bad when people when you're the only one reaching out but i have just mm-hmm. accepted that i am that person um and then once i got over that pretty quickly i just you know we are so lucky that we live in the internet age where it's so easy to text people and call people and we've done game nights like they've all these online games and you know and i'm teaching classes so i get to i actually is a lot more social than i would have expected my my weeks to be yeah 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 one thing i've tried to be very intentional about is you know sometimes there's like a while goes by and you haven't spoken with a friend and i try to start by not apologizing but just getting right back into the conversation and not not having that be a barrier. Yeah, totally. And you know, I think especially these days all the days bleed into each other and sometimes you really don't know. Like it could have been one week has passed, maybe two months have passed. And I think yeah, exactly what you said. It's important to just give yourself grace and you know, the bigger picture is that you are getting in touch with people and it's always a lot of fun when you do. Yeah. Yeah, and another point that you mentioned is also interesting, the games nights. I've been playing online chess with with people and that's a great way to connect you know beyond just chatting or video calls and yeah we my friends uh we really like code names you have two teams and you have to guess kind of different words on or pictures and it's funny because we all used to play the board game version of it and we found this online version pretty quickly so that's been a really fun one cuz you can play with multiple people and have and you can mix up the teams and stuff and do that so that's that's a a favorite in my friend group yeah And I'm curious do, uh, do you use Slack in your personal life as well to keep in touch with people? I actually don't. I have tried many times. I tried to switch my boyfriend onto using Slack and I was like, "Let's, <laughs> let's use it." And we did set it up and it was actually setting it up was really fun because we created all these inside joke channels that we could use, but ultimately it we it ended up sticking. So I actually only use it in a professional capacity. Um but I actually I do use it in some of my personal work. So I'm in a writing group. that I've been in for the past year or so and we use Slack and that's been kind of a fun way so it's kind of a, a semi-professional setting but we do use that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so moving along your career path now so you taught yourself marketing while working on your food blog and you used that to enter into tech. Tell us about how you did that. Yeah, yeah. Um so like I said, yeah, my parents divorced when I was uh, when I was young and I was 13 and I uh, I actually turned to food and cooking as a way kind of to survive and also to make money because my parents are pretty or financially strapped and it turned out to be pretty good at it especially with making desserts so i i actually jumped into the restaurant world and i did that for many years uh, i didn't go to culinary school I actually i went to you know university at berkeley and i worked full time in restaurants you know to keep just i really loved it and to also help pay for school and then after a while I started having health problems and I got diagnosed with uh, chronic anemia. Uh I I don't know how much you know about that, but I just you just feel incredibly tired all the time. And so it basically makes it impossible to work to work in restaurants with something like that. And so I knew I I had to leave. And then at some point around that time, I don't remember the exact timeline, I had started a blog and this was, you know, a decade ago before blogs were this thing that they are now and it was purely to document you know my pastry recipes and remember things which i was learning and post pictures i had like a you know digital camera where i was actually taking pictures not we didn't not from my phone and i decided to just put, put a lot of time into that so i spent several months you know like learning wordpress and seo and content marketing and google analytics and social media was just kind of starting to be a thing 
and I, that's essentially what I used to find a job in tech. I, you know, I reached out to friends. Again, this is like going to the keeping in touch part where it, just, it always comes in handy when you need help yourself. Um, and I was able to, you know, a friend referred me to a, a company and I ended up getting a job at Sidecar, which for people outside the United States is like the, the OG ride sharing company. So it kind of kicked off the ride sharing craze that later was taken over by, by Uber and Lyft. And that's where I was. And I was, you know, the whole company was maybe 30-ish, 40-ish people. I was the one marketing manager there reporting to the VP of marketing. And I managed the the go-to-market engagement and retention strategy for our rider base across the eight cities that we operated in. And so, yeah, and I kept doing that. And then, you know, a few other startups later and a couple IPOs and now one acquisition later, here I am. Wow, wow, yeah. Yeah, one very recent acquisition. Yeah, yeah, very, very recent. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and b- before we move on to talk about uh, some of the companies you've been at, a little bit more about your blog. So I, I'll include a link to it in the, in the show notes. Just curious, what's your favorite pastry recipe? Oh, man. this My favorite thing to make is tarts. It's one of the first things I learned how to make when I started cooking professionally. And it's a lot of work. It is like not something you can just bang out in one night, but I think it's a very, you know, like you put out what you get in. It's like, you can make tart crust, you have different fillings and toppings. And once you under, you know, you get a better understanding for flavors, you can mix and match. Like, you know, what do you want the tart crust to be made out of? What do you want the filling to be made out of? So I love doing that. And I actually, it's funny, I am on a, a road trip right now, kind of across the United States. And I, I brought my tart rings with me, which is like, I was like, this is an essential road trip item that I need. So I can keep making tarts no matter where we are. So that's yeah. how strongly I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been in many high growth companies throughout your career, Uber, Dropbox, now Slack. What, what draws you to them? Yeah, I usually tell people that I, I need to be in fast-paced environments because it, it feels like a restaurant to me, and that's you know that's my home base. You know, in a restaurant, things are chaotic all the time, but if you look closely, there is a strategy and there is this deep camaraderie and commitment to getting things done for your customers, um, and I and I just love that. And you know, I people have told me I'm like an execution monster, and very little phases me. So I really like being in places where I can do a lot of things. And you know, as much as I am strategizing, I'm also operating, and I really love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting that you make the analogy to to restaurants. I, I'm curious, you know, having having worked at restaurants yourself, what do you think are some elements of that environment uh, of that career that you really don't see uh, from the outside as a consumer? Yeah, I think one of the big things that I immediately noticed was that there's no politics in restaurants. And I wish that was kind of more in the real world. And it was something that really surprised me. Because like in restaurants, I mean, one, you just don't have time. Like everything is on fire. Everything needs to be done. (laughs) You really don't have time to get into fights with anybody or go up this bureaucracy or anything like that. And And I love that. Like, I think you're just, you know, people are there because they want to be, you really only get better by showing up and doing the work. Like, you know, you can't cook better if you're not in the restaurant cooking. That's, it's a pretty simple fact. And, and I, and I think there's, you know, similar with, I think even tech now is like that, but you know, people in restaurants come from everywhere. And so you just have like a really one, like you just get to understand people in a different way and really get to connect with people that you maybe wouldn't normally connect with. Yeah, yeah. And so in a couple of these companies, you moved internally. 
for example, at Slack, you started in monetization and now you work in growth. Uh, how do you find out about those opportunities? And then how did you capitalize on that? Yeah. So my, I, I observed that, you know, in companies, especially in high growth companies, there's a lot of movement that happens pretty naturally as the nature of the company changes. And marketing especially is a constantly evolving thing. You know, like what matters last year, it may not matter at all this year. And there might be a new channel or something else to think about. And for me, I, you know, I really like to be in roles where I feel that I can make an impact relatively quickly and also keep learning. And, you know, so to give that example with Slack, moving from monetization to growth was pretty easy to do in that respect because I knew I wanted to look at more of the funnel rather than just the end of it. And being on the growth team allows me to do that while I can still work with product and engineering, which I knew I wanted to do. And in terms of, I know you asked how you find out about it. Like, I think this, I keep going back to keeping in touch with people, but I think that is something that has been a really big strength is talk, you know, I spend a lot of time getting, I mean, now virtual coffees with people from other teams. And luckily at Slack, everything about the company is in Slack. So I can read different channels and stay up to date on stuff and then decide what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So it's a lot about building those internal relationships as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think especially now in the pandemic, it can be a little exhausting because we're already on video chat all day. And the last thing you want to do is be on another video conference. But yeah. I think it's still really important to connect because we don't have that kind of in-person, you know, chit-chat sessions where you're getting coffee in the morning, you're in between meetings and talking, and you kind of have to create that space to to build those relationships. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I imagine now the there's a lot of opportunity for kind of screen-free interaction, you know, because like you said, people are on video calls all day. So what can we do to interact with, with others in a screen-free way? If there's a, if there's something, you know, well, there's walking meetings, that's one thing, yes. right? But I feel that there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. And, you know, I think about this, I think about my parents' generation where they didn't have FaceTime and video chat and they were just fine. And I think sometimes we get very spoiled where we're like, oh my God, we have to do video chat. And it's like, you don't have to. And yeah. actually, anyway, it's like we have a, a recent policy where video is optional. So you can, you know, if you don't want to have your video on for a meeting, you don't have to. And I think that is a really important because, you know, you for, you do have to be in some meetings, but you can also be more comfortable and you should be allowed to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I heard recently that Atlassian has a couple internal podcasts, which I also think is a great way to hear what's going on in the company, but you could listen to them while you're on your exercise bike or out taking a walk or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a great idea. I, I, like, I should I should uh, think about that for Slack, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they actually have one specifically titled The Deal Download, and they talk about a recent deal that, that was closed, and you hear directly from the salesperson what worked, what didn't, what they would do differently. That's so interesting. Yeah, I imagine it's a company as big as Atlassian too. It's, you know, you can probably get overwhelmed with how much information about the company is coming in every day. So it's nice to have kind of a, a go-to place to get that. Yeah, yeah. And especially since you're so spread out geographically, you can't do everything synchronously. And it's nice yeah, people that's... can consume it as in one. Yeah, that's one awesome. Person. What a great idea. Yeah. Cool. So now I want to look back a little bit and I'd love to hear who are one or two people who have been very influential in your life. So I think the person that immediately came to mind, so I'll, I'll talk about that, was the the first manager I had uh, when I worked at Sidecar. Continue, you know, he was very influential and continues to be. 
made, you know, when I joined Sidecar, I didn't know anything about tech, right? I had just come from restaurants. I had never, I didn't even know how to, like, I didn't have a laptop. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome. You know, I was in this new industry. I was also in rideshare, which was very competitive and still is very competitive. And it was just really scary. And he never let me feel anything bad. You know, he was so smart, like he was so patient and he was just a really great leader and taught me a lot of things and, you know, gave me really strong feedback and taught me a lot of things, which I still take with me today. And, you know, we, he and I are still in touch. I still ask him questions every now and then. And, you know, he has a lot of ideas that he will come to me to. And it really is like something I think about a lot even now. Well, yeah, that sounds like the definition of a great manager. You know, I think it's really, it's really about the people aspect, the, the skills and so many other things that you, you pass on to people. Like there are many different channels through which we can get that from, but having someone who's really there on your side at all times, uh, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I am sure that there is a bit of natural ability that comes with leadership, but I think a lot of the stuff is, it is really important to get that coaching and to learn as well. This manager, I know he thought really critically about leadership and I think that was probably helpful of thinking about it. And yeah, and we were also in the advantage of being in a really small company where we just hung out all the time. So I think we just can build a, build a relationship that way as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and how has life been different than what you might have envisioned 10 years back? Oh, man. Well, 10 years back, I thought I would be an executive pastry chef uh, or like living in Europe or have my own bakery. Uh, I even had a name and a concept for what the bakery would be like way back then. Um, so obviously a lot has changed. <laughs> uh, but in a lot of ways, I think I am still carrying out that vision. You know, like I, I still do food. I have this blog. I'm teaching virtual pastry classes, you know, I'm still very involved in, in the scene. Um, and, you know, I, I majored in business and psychology, which is marketing. And I'm probably one of the few people who is doing exactly what they majored in. Uh, and then, you know, early next year, I'm moving to London. So I think things are maybe working out more than I, I thought they are. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, so here's a new question I, I, I cooked up recently. Professionally, what's something you used to compromise on before that you don't anymore and and then the other way around something you were very particular about before that now you're much more flexible on oh this is a good question so the first one something that i don't compromise on anymore is culture we spend most of our t lives at work and if it's not an enjoyable place to be i i it can really ruin you and, you know, I have been at high profile companies with a terrible culture and I've been at very under the radar companies with great culture. And that's something that I really look for in every role that I take or every team within a company that I choose to move to. And then in terms for the second part, what is something I'm more flexible on? This is actually something I had to think about for a long time. I was like, I don't know if I'm that flexible. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think of one. So uh, I think the one for me is like res is resourcing been in marketing for some time, it tends to generally to be under-resourced, even in larger companies. And when I was new to tech, it used to bother me a lot. I was like, how are we supposed to get anything done if I don't have the people, if I don't have the budget or what it is? But it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think, you know, going back to talking about how I grew up, like I, I'm a very much a self-starter, you know, like my parents were immigrants, they came here, they were like navigating America and then navigating their divorce in this country. So a lot of decisions that I've made, I've 
just I figure those things out on my own and learn how to do them. And I think now I can, I know that instead of being all riled up about not having all the right resources, I can kind of use that in myself to figure things out and, and get it done. Yeah, yeah. And I want to dig into the culture aspect a bit. So how do you check for that? What What do you look for? Yeah, I think it changes with every company. The two things that recently I've looked at is kind of transparency and career development. And I think we, we can chat more about career development a little bit later because I think it's a, it's a heavy topic. But also, like, I think it's just important to me to know that those are things are top of mind. You know, like even in really big companies, it is important to be transparent on what's going on, positive and negative. And you can still be motivating and also be realistic. And, you know, and because your co your colleagues, they know we're not like we'll, we'll know if something is not going right. And if we don't, if you don't hear it from the exec, we'll hear it from, you know, some journalist somewhere. And, you know, I think you can ask questions and figure that out. And, you know, and going back to what I said, like we spend most of our time at work. And so I really should just like the people that I work with, I think on a very basic level. And I think there's, you know, those aren't really questions you can ask, but you can, you can tell, like, I think you can trust your instinct on, are these the kind of people who feel like I can work well with, or I can learn to work well with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also curious how, you know, this uh, new reality of things shifting to a lot, to being a lot more virtual changes, changes culture too. You know, there's, there's less of these kind of impromptu discussions, which some companies, you know, is how a lot of things get done, favors organizations that really document things well and that have well-established established processes for these things. Yeah, I, it's pretty interesting. And I, I mean, my initial take is that it's too early to tell, like, I think, we spent the first half of the pandemic, like waiting for it to be over. And so not really fully kind of immersing ourselves in this reality. And now we kind of are. Um, yeah, so I'm also very curious to see what will happen. I think for me, one thing that is important in that respect is to to give your give yourself and your coworkers and the company just more grace. Like it's really hard. Everything, everything is hard. You know, people who I'm not a parent, but you know, if you're a parent, it is extremely hard to work and be a parent. And, you know, maybe there's a lot more financial issues that you don't have before. And I think giving yourself that time to rest, which can be hard in like a, in a tech world where you just, you know, there's a lot of pressure to get things done, especially as a recently public company and giving yourself that time. And, you know, at Slack, you know, we have, it's called ETO now, it's like emergency time off which is separate from your PTO. So, you know, if you need, and you can really use it just to take like a mental health day and you don't need yeah. to, you know, it doesn't need to be some huge explanation. You can just be like, Hey, I need a day. Like I'm going to do it. And you can, and you're allowed to do that. And I think that's like a really great way of, of bringing that to the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds really useful and very timely as well. Yeah. What are one or two important life lessons you've learned for yourself? Oh yes. The first one, this might sound really pessimistic, but it's, it's not, I swear, um, is that it's a, it's not your company's job to build your career. It is your job. And, you know, companies are businesses and their job is to make money and you are there to help them make money, which is really awesome and fun. But, you know, the cr times are crazy and you could also get laid off tomorrow without any notice. And, you know, like one thing I've learned, you know, I've been in a few companies now, I've been at companies where they've gone under as well, is that, you know, you really do have to be deliberate on what kind of career you want to have and what do you want to learn and who do you want to work with? Like those things are not going to fall into your lap. And related to that, you know, in order to get those things, 
you you need to speak up. And you know, I I probably exasperate people because I I am very vocal when I think things are not being done properly, or if I think there's like an unfair balance of power on the team, or if I'm feeling undermined in my work. And you know, it can be controversial, but you never know what you can change until you ask. And then you know, once you ask, then you can decide what you want to do next. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not like 50 years ago when you you joined a company and you were there for life. And like you said, part of the company's role was also helping you advance in your career. And now it's a, now it's a lot more fluid. Yeah. And, you know, and being in tech, it's fun. Like you can find a, a company that is there for you. And it's also okay if your interests change and you want to try another industry, like you have this freedom to do that now and still have a full career life and you should be able to do that. Yeah. So something I find fascinating, you're a passionate pastry chef who teaches professionally. How do you juggle a career in tech with your cooking and virtual classes and everything else? Yeah, people ask me this a lot. And it's funny because it, it doesn't feel crazy to me. I, I am, you know, like I said, I'm the kind of person who I need to be doing a lot of things at the same time and I can't sit still. And so it's really fun for me to do all this. I think one thing is that I'm very passionate in every single thing that I do and very deliberate. So those things to me are like, as much as they are work, they're also fun. And, you know, like in this pandemic, there was this whole thing of people are like, I need to find new hobbies and all that. But I have, I've have been pretty firm about what my hobbies are. I've had these same few. I've been doing this since I was a kid and I just want to get better at them. I guess I didn't really ask, answer your question. So I'll, I'll, let me say something else that's probably better, better suited to answer that. So in terms of, how do I actually juggle everything? The first very easy one is that I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, we didn't have cable growing up and I spent many of my summers and winters in India where either the TV didn't work or they just had shows that I didn't want to watch. Um, so I just, even now it's just not a habit that I have. That's one thing. And I think the other thing is, is uh, setting boundaries. So, you know, everything, even if it's something that you love more than anything else has its limits. And mm -hmm. I don't compromise on <clears throat> my limits. You know, like I, I sleep eight hours a night. I, during work hours, I'm working. I, you know, I am in a writing group. I do 30 minutes to an hour of writing every day. I exercise five to six days a week. Like these are the things I, I know this about myself that if I compromise on those things, I will not feel good. And I will make sure to do them as much as I am able to do them. You're very engaged work. You do all, you, you have, you have these hobbies. You're, you're very into cooking. So you do a lot and. Part of that means saying no to some things as well. You say no to TV. What, what are some other some other things maybe that you have to say no to? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's kind of easy because there's no there's no one to see in the pandemic. So I think a lot of those hangout times, I have yeah. automatically brought more time to, to me. Um, yeah. I think in yeah, I think in terms of other things, I say no to. This is it's kind of a weird one, but it's more like me saying no to myself of just like doom scrolling as I think that's the, the 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 official dictionary term I love Instagram I actually really love TikTok now and it's so it's actually like crazy all these videos that people are making but I can easily lose an hour there so I think for me I I you know I try to be very mindful of like where my time is going and if yeah. I'm like I'll try to catch myself like if I'm like spent if it's been like 20 minutes and I I've just been looking at my phone on TikTok I'm like okay what am I doing like let me push myself out of this and I'm, I'm acting like I do this all the time. I don't like, I still have, I'm still building this muscle. Um, yeah. But I think it's kind of saying, you know, especially now when we spend so much time basically by ourselves, it really is kind of saying no to your own habits. 
uh, more yeah. than other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one way we actually gained all this time, right? Because we're not commuting to work. If we meet a friend, it's you just one minute before click on the on the link and and you're there. You don't even have to right? get ready. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think for me, what has helped as well as I am a slave to my calendar. And if things are on my calendar, they will get done. So, you know, even I actually have like exercise time blocked on my work calendar. So people know like from five to 6.30, I am exercising and I will not be checking my phone or my computer. Yeah. And I will come back and, you know, I'm happy to log on afterwards during the evening to finish up stuff, but that is time that I have. And 90% of the time, nothing is gonna fall apart during that time. Is that five to 6.30 in the morning or evening? You know, it usually is after work, but now I'm currently I'm currently on East Coast time and I'm working West Coast hours, so I've switched it to the morning. So yeah. I have I still have the block on my calendar, but no one cares now because it's like six a.m. in the West Coast and no one is awake. So, so tell me a little bit more about this road trip. Yeah, so we um, are. I think it's we're we're doing a four month road trip across the United States. You know, starting from San Francisco, where we live, my, my partner and I, and then ending in Vermont. And I will actually really ending in London. So early uh, in January, early February next year, we are going to be moving to London, uh, which I'm very excited about. So my boyfriend um, is relocating for work, and I will be joining him early next year. And you know, we were trying to figure out my, my you know, my parents are from the Bay Area, so we see them all the time. And his parents live um, outside of uh, Washington D.C. So originally, you know, we were like, how you know, we want to make sure we see them before we go. How do how do we feel like we can do it safely? And then this road trip idea kind of emerged and then we were like, let's just do it. And so within probably like three to four weeks, we gave up our apartment in San Francisco, put everything in storage, packed, you know, a couple suitcases each and mapped out cities where we wanted to go and booked some places. And now we're on, on this road and it's been great. It's kind of a really cool way to say goodbye to the U.S. and also kind of see like most of this country I haven't even seen. So like even driving through states I've never been to, it's like, it's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and take advantage of the flexibility of being able to work from wherever at this moment, so. Exactly, and it's like, it's a good time to take take advantage of that. And, you know, I I will say like growing up in California, I'm very spoiled and very sheltered. So it's very eye-opening to me to be like, oh, how, this is what America looks like? Like, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything specific that you would like to point people towards things that you worked on, things that you're proud of, things that you think people should just check out? Oh, yeah. Um, so in terms of things, yeah, people can check out. There's a lot of, I'll, I'll talk about Slack stuff first, then I'll talk about personal things. So I think at Slack, you know, I work a lot on figuring out our content and, you know, people always ask me like, how can I become power users of Slack? And this is something I think about all the time. So there is like a Slack one-on-one resource page with uh, a bunch of webinars and I've been, I created a couple of them and I always tell people should, I can send you the, the link afterwards, but I think it's always a good place for people to learn about Slack and how to become power users as, as I am. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah, and then in terms of you know personal pastry stuff, like I am still doing blogging and I'm teaching these virtual classes and that's all on, on my, my website as well. Um, and I think you said you're gonna link to that in the show notes. So I always love hearing from people who want to learn classes and you don't need any special equipment. I know people get very nervous about pastry. And I, I like, you don't even need a, a rolling pin. You can use a wine bottle to roll out stuff and make good pastries. Um, so I always like to tell people about that as well. Oh, nice, cool. Slack is a product that I just 
started using and I've never looked at any documentation. So I'm curious to check out those, those webinars. Yeah. And you know, I used Slack at my previous companies before I joined Slack. So I thought I knew everything about it and I didn't know anything. So, you know, it's, it just goes to show that it really is like you, the more you use it, the more you do get better at it. And yeah. even now I know I've been at the company almost two years and I still find new, like cool shortcuts that I didn't know existed and stuff. Um, but I love that. It's kind of like, it's something you can keep learning from and, and customize to make it your own. And your virtual pastry classes, how does that work? Is that you have a camera on and it's live or people can, is it on yeah. demand? It, it is live. So I teach live classes. They're like an hour and a half to two hours and depending on how many people they are. And I've been doing a lot of team building, especially, you know, for in the tech world, we need more team building. That's, that's more than just a, a virtual happy hour. And it's just really fun. We just make like, we make dough, we'll bake a few things. And I've actually found one of the fun things about it is like, you kind of get to know your coworkers better because you see their kitchens, which is like a very kind of intimate space that you don't, you know, even they, you can see your your coworkers every day at work, but you'll never see what the inside of their house looks like. And it's kind of fun to like see everyone's kitchens and talk about different. You know, you'll see like, oh, like what's this picture you have on the wall? And it it really is like a interesting, unique way to to know more about your coworkers. Shika, you have a fascinating story. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. So that brings us to the end of this episode. One of my favorite parts of the conversation was hearing about her experience in restaurant kitchens and how those lessons carry over. I admire how Shika manages to keep her passion for cooking going along with everything else. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. Thank you for listening and until next time.